Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is hip-hop artist, punk rock musician, podcaster, and author, Sammy Warmhands. Sammy, welcome to the show. Howdy. It's a long list you have to read. <laughs> I know. And I left stuff out, too. That's the beauty <laughs> of it. Uh, also, you know, the podcast, as you can see behind you, anybody watching this, uh, the Bat Fan Addict podcast, we'll talk about that briefly, but man, your studio keeps getting new additions, new uh new batmans everywhere okay. new pieces since last time yeah you know? i think the whole case might be new uh no that that well i i don't know i don't know it's a, it's a constant work in progress and over the last couple of years as i've slowed down touring um yeah. i've been able to actually invest in some stuff that's just for fun and so this this has really taken on a life of its own it's been cool yeah so thanks for doing this we've got a lot to, a lot to talk about today uh, you know, you had reached out to me and we talked about having you on the show again. You were on the show before back. I don't remember when it was. It was it was a while ago, but I did a kind of a series on local podcasters and you we will talk about this briefly. You were the host of two separate podcasts, the Take 92 podcast and the Bat Fan Attic, the co-host of the Bat Fan Attic podcast, which uh, what, tell me real quick what's going on with those. Uh, yeah, so uh, right now I'm on break from the Take 92 podcast. That one uh, just celebrated its five-year anniversary. And I interview, I started out just kind of interviewing my friends here around town or, or uh, friends who would pass through town on tour. I'd have them over. And over time, I just started doing more and more by phone so I could reach out and expand my uh, pool of, of guests. And so it's it's mostly my kind of music you know it's it's punk rockers and rappers or record producers and that's gone on to uh producers like um you know paul minor from death by stereo bill stevenson from the descendants ryan green from fat records um you know uh, uh punk rockers uh one of my last episodes was actually with jello biafra from dead kennedy's um, you know, members of Good Riddance and uh, sick of it all. Um, you know, just really been blessed. And and then with some MCs, like I had Casual on this last season, and A Logic was on for like the third time, I think. Um, so yeah, I try to. It's a long form interview show. Yeah, with it's good. The Jello Biafra interview. I have to admit, I've listened to bits and pieces of different ones because I usually listen to podcasts when I'm in my car. And a lot of times that's just driving to work. So I don't have yeah. I, sometimes the long form. I, I can't. I made sure I listened to every second of that one. I, I listened <laughs> to it over a few days, to be honest, just every time I was in the car by myself. 
and it was really good. And so I really recommend anybody listening to check out the Take 92 podcast uh, and your interview with Jello Biafra because it was really on point. It was cool because there's parts where he seemed like irritated to be doing the interview, but also really intrigued by your questioning. It was. Yeah, that's the thing is like, it's one thing when you're interviewing someone, you know, and it's a whole other thing when you've never even met the person. And so a lot of my guests over the last few years has been people I never met. But the difference is I have just as a diehard fan, I have this encyclopedic knowledge of their body of work. And so I can just draw on all this minute shit that they don't get asked about. And so that is what is kind of established connections in those conversations is that, you know, in the first five or 10 minutes, they start to realize like, oh, this guy actually, he's not trying to get a name on the show. Like this guy knows what I do, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's been really invaluable is just having all those years of fandom to draw on. It finally paid off. And then, you know, the cancel culture timing you know of everything cancel culture type stuff and he talked about going to court over lyrics and all this different stuff it was really cool yeah. so anybody and and oprah and all kinds of fun stuff i mean there's a lot in that i've ever been i'll tell you that but uh it it uh, ended up going pretty well it was a good one so yeah so we're not gonna we're not gonna get real meta here and talk all about a podcast on a podcast but again i recommend you know everybody to check out the take 92 podcast it's on all streaming sites and whatnot. And then also the bat fan addict where you guys, you and your buddy talk about Batman and your love of that. And yeah, it, we, we review uh, movies and comics and uh, we're right now ramping up to the, the Snyder cut of justice league. So if anybody's a fan of that, we're going through the, the Zack Snyder verse right now. So yeah, I want to start another podcast too. I want to do a sports one. Cause that's where, that's where my true passion is, is in basketball. And I just think that it'd be fun to do. But doing two podcasts is great because you can kind of have a separation from from each style, you know. Yeah. So the other, you know, pretty recently you made a major announcement that you are retiring from touring, and we're going to talk a little bit about the book that that you just are are about to release. It comes out March thirtieth. But let's first talk about the announcement. Uh, first of all, how long had have you been touring? Well, I quit my job in. 2011 and sold my car and bought the van and hit the road at that time and we went out for 40 days the first time and we hit 19 states and we called it the i quit my job for this tour and it was it was great and it was terrible and it was everything rolled into one and just just so exciting and so um i wrote a lot of this book a few years ago and as it takes a very long time to edit it, you know, well, I, now I've been on another tour, I got to add a chapter. And oh, now I've been on another one, I got to add a chapter. And so it wasn't written to coincide with the 10 year anniversary of all that happening, but that's basically what happened. And, you know, there's a period of ascension, and then there's a period of like, shit getting really hard <laughs> and a lot of tours not going well and surprises and deaths and just crazy shit. And so um, there was a slowing down period. And over the last like year and a half, I've kind of really been thinking hard about it and decided with the release of the book that uh, it's a perfect time to just make it official and say, you know what? Um, I'm making the best music of my life and I'm really proud of it but I am not going to go torture myself out there to sell it anymore. 
Um, I'm just going to do what I do here in the studio because uh, I found that it was more detrimental by the end of it, you know. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a recording artist, meaning that you do it, like you just said, in the studio. And obviously it is, like you said, harder to sell. But sometimes you're banging your head against the wall to sell it anyway when you're hitting the road. But I mean, I I, I commend you for, for the accomplishment of... For, of doing the touring, you know, of actually going through with it. Not a lot of people can actually say that. So that's a, that's a big accomplishment right there. You know, I wonder if you're retiring in, in the wrong time. Cause I think 2022 is going to be substantial for live music. You know, you know, I think it's going to be different. I think people are going to be sponges for it because I think that you had talked about the dissension. I wonder if a lot of that is people were so spoiled you know, yes. going to live shows. And like, I see, I saw a meme recently that was like, I better not hear you guys complaining about paying a $5 cover for a, a full yeah. bill of local music. Maybe, you know, so yeah. I wonder if it's, it's, uh, you know, maybe the wrong time, but we'll talk about that as we go along. So you had mentioned the book and you showed the book. I got it right here. Uh, I love the title, how to ruin your life. <laughs> you know, the daily yeah. grind of a DIY tour. The art is incredible. We're going to talk about that too in a little bit. You just kind of mentioned how this came to be. It wasn't something that you you had initially had. Is that true? You had initially wrote it about the first tour. I quit my job tour. Well, no, I I came to it in 2017 and I had a dozen or so tours at that point. And, you know, we'd be sharing stories or whatever. And I had my my earlier book out in 2015. Um, so it'd been a couple of years since then. And, and, I remember being on tour with my band. Can I say my band's name on your show? Yeah, yeah. You can okay. say it. So, fucking serious. We were on tour, and um, Crosby, my bass player at the time, said, you know, I can already tell these memories are starting to blur together for you. Like, if this really is going to be your next book, like you've said, like, you should probably write that down now. And so uh, I did, and I wrote that in 2017. It just as time went by, there would be another tour and another tour and the book got longer and longer. And now it actually feels like a real uh, satisfying conclusion. So it was a reflection, but are you, are you somebody that journals? Did you take notes along the way or is it all from memory? No, it is hard this time. The first book was mostly just, I remember all the early days of, you know, starting a band and all, all those shows and dates and stuff, I just got it in here because those times are so precious to me, you know. But this book was much harder because, again, if you played seven shows in Boise, okay, well, which one was that again where this thing happened? And so I had to use all the old Google Docs spreadsheets from what every tour had, like what city we were in, what venue we played, who was on the bill. Um, I went through YouTube videos because when a lot of this stuff was happening, there weren't stories and Instagram and Snapchat, like that stuff didn't exist. And so we would film videos and edit it and post it to YouTube. So I was rewatching those. I went through as many photos as I could find, like backups from old iPhones and stuff. And, you know, I just really pieced together the best, most detailed recollection I could. And then after that, I kind of edited it down to, you know, the story. Yeah, there's some cool things in there. I like how you talk about your thrift store find or or just your find on the tour in each thing, each category, each you know tour yeah. has has the lineup. It has your best show, your worst show, and then 
the record store find. The record store find. And that's yeah. really cool. City, we hit the record store. I mean, I have a very narrow interest in life and, and nothing makes me happier than than uh, music and digging through the record store. And so if we get any extra time before load in, you know, when we get to your city, I'm going to as many shops as I can. And so uh, I had to include that in every chapter of like, what was the cool thing I found in that trip? You know, some of them are funny. I noticed that you mentioned a Christina Aguilera 12 inch. LP. I did. Actually, she's, I don't think I could show you easily. I got a cardboard cutout of her over there from CD world. Um, That's beautiful. But Christina's a favorite. And there's a really funny story about that record in the, in the book where if you've, if you've seen Seinfeld and you're a fan of that show and you remember George Costanza, his like a uh, kind of nude modeling pose that he right. did. Um, we recreated that. Because now, if you're not familiar with touring, right, uh, you're away from home a long time and you sort of adopt these long distance relationship rules. And so our wives and, uh, you know, whatever, we got to get creative and use technology to keep the love life happening. Right. And so I thought it'd be funny to uh, uh, do it in a sarcastic way. And uh, I laid out on the bed and uh, I grabbed my Christina record and put it right over the the middle there God. and that photo's in the book so <laughs> that's awesome yeah I, i'm sure only your wife wants to see that so that's a beautiful thing but yeah uh there's some funny ones in there i actually was talking to my my booking agent who's also a frequent tour mate earlier and and he he was uh making his way through the book right now and he's like dude i can't believe some of the things that you're saying in this like you kept it so real <laughs> and for someone who was there with me i think that's that's good feedback for me of like yeah i'm trying to tell what actually happened and not just like make myself look good or you know paint a certain picture but like no it's beautifully written from the i mean I, like i said i'm not gonna lie i haven't had a, a chance to soak it all in but for, from the little bit that i've i've been able to check out i was enjoying it and I, i'm not a much of a reader and i definitely know that i'm gonna read this one from cover to cover so now let's talk about the forward. Uh, you know, uh, Carnage the Executioner, who wrote the the forward, it was super well done. You know, and and uh, obviously when you're gonna do an interview like this for a podcast, you know, you're gonna read the front and the back of it, and then mm -hmm. a little and thumb through it and whatnot. And tell me about that and what it meant to you, and what does it mean to you to have artists who you were inspired by become friends? Oh yeah, I mean that's been the greatest gift of this whole last decade is that you know i set out as kind of my this is my second win like my first band had broken up and things weren't going well and this was kind of my second chance you know and the greatest thing that came from it was not that i achieved my goal of you know becoming a full-time musician for a living and you know selling out clubs that was not achieved but what was achieved was um not only rubbing shoulders and opening with some artists that have just been in my record collection forever but the fact that uh you know these people take notice of a certain thing you did or a line that you had or a song that you had and, and talk to you about your set and then you kind of become friends and you do songs together and you know now do tours together and you know it's just it's been really the most 
gratifying part of all this and and the thing that kind of gives you juice because when you're going and you're playing in billings for four people who showed up that night it's killing your soul but like then you get an email from so and so it's like hey i got my verse for your song what do you think of this and it's like wow i can't believe that we got to do this this is amazing you know like my new single right now is with casual from hieroglyphics and it's our second song together and you know like that's a world-class mc and for him to see what i'm doing and go oh okay he's gonna take it there i'm gonna take it here and kind of you know hip-hop is competitive when you're borrowing out like trying to one-up each other and i talk about it on tour uh, or in the book that on tour me and carnage and dj abilities when the three of us were on tour together we would call like who won that night you know like who won the crowd and so that's just just priceless you know i wouldn't trade that for anything well and i i mean retiring from tour without becoming a household name does not mean that you haven't succeeded you know because i think that you were an artist's artist a writer's writer and and i think like you know i mean you can really see it in his words that he has that when he wrote in the forward that he has the utmost respect for you so what carnage wrote i think it's 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 really incredible you know he gave you some really strong praise and it's i loved it reading that part yeah carnage is probably the best friend that i've made totally cold from opening for somebody and, and meeting at a show we actually met in eugene um and didn't uh tour together until a couple years later but um he is just uh a true fan you know we both love the the music like we spend so much time in the van playing each other like what our new stuff is and getting excited for each other and like giving each other notes and oh what do you think of this oh you know i bet if you did this to the chorus and like, oh yes you know and no pretense of like oh well i'm carnage the executioner you should never tell me he's like what do you think you know and we put on beastie boys records and sing along together and just like you know he has the same love and reverence for it that i do and that's really what connected us and then from there he's just a genuine good dude and a friend and and you know kind of like with my first book I had my friend Glenn do the forward because his band, when I was in my middle school band, they came out to see us at our drummer's house and watched our practice and was like, yeah, I think we could get you guys opening a show sometime, you know? And so he watched me from the very, very beginning kind of grow through this. And having done multiple tours with Carnage, I thought he would be another great person who has kind of observed my um your progression you know through this and 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 kind of the work ethic and actually knows what it's like because he's gone out and toured diy where he books it he's gone out and had a booking agent do it he's gone out and played giant clubs and theaters where he's opening for bigger artists i mean he's he's done it every way you could think of it and so he understands this world and why i would be even remotely qualified to talk about it. That was kind of how I pitched it to him of like, so look, you've got all this experience. Why does anyone give a shit what Sammy Warmhand says about it? And so that was kind of what he tried to, to do with the forward. Yeah, I thought it was really good. So I definitely recommend, we're going to talk about this a bunch, but I want to plug where to pick it up right now. And then we'll mention this again at the end. So at take92.com, 
is yep. your website and that's where you would buy the book and you buy it directly from you. It's, it's basically through Bandcamp essentially. Is that correct? So, yeah. Yeah. Right now it's everything through me. And, you know, over time I hope to expand to, you know, Amazon and audible and things that people are more familiar with, but like for the initial push without playing shows, like I need that direct support to pay this project. Sure. Back, and I think that's I, an awesome thing that you're going that route where you're, you're going to do it independently first. And like you had just mentioned, Audible, you've recorded the audio version of the book. Yeah, I'm almost you, done. You're almost done with it. Yeah. So that'll be good. And, and we'll make sure to share the posts when you when you get to that point where it's finalized. So that well, it's, can... it's at that link. You can pre-order it now. It'll still drop on release day. So by the time that comes, I'll be 100% finished. I'm, I'm very close now. So. so take92.com is where you would buy the book. And then also other merch and all of your digital as well as physical copies but this is one that i recommend anybody in eugene that loves eugene local music needs to own this book to even just throw it on a bookshelf i mean obviously i encourage them to read it but the way that it looks the art of it show it yeah the way that it looks looks beautiful on the shelf even it's even if it's just a uh you know a keepsake you know i love it it looks great now the on on the cover of the book uh there's a, a drawing of the van yeah uh, how, what is your take on the van now? Tell me about what the van is and do you love or hate it? Oh, it's a deep love. I mean, the, the friendships forged and solidified on those long drives, you know, and, and those lonely nights and just those deep personal conversations. It's kind of like when you're a kid and, and the talks you have after lights out and, you know, like, just really getting to intimately know each other and, and um, making real human connections. And so, you know, all of my tour mates that, you know, we put in that time together, it's, it was such a magical thing. And, you know, sure. By the end we had breakdowns and problems and um, whatever that vehicles will have. But I mean, um, from, from it being with me from the first one, you know, like quit my job, sell my car, and bought that van to do it. You know, I branded it with my label logos and stuff. And, um, you know, and every, every time we roll through town, people are like, oh, hey, you know, and, and it's in the music videos and spending photo shoots that are in the albums. I mean, it's kind of become uh, a little bit of a, an iconic thing for people that follow me. And I tried really hard. It was you had to buy these massive quantities. Otherwise I was going to actually have a miniature little foam replica, like a stress ball version of the van come with the book, but you have to buy so many that uh, I, I couldn't get a small run. Yeah. How many miles do you know roughly from when yeah. you bought it to where it's at now? So yeah, this, this August will be 10 years since I've owned it and I've put on more than a hundred thousand miles on it. Um, all but two of the tours have been in that. Um, and two of them were in my friend's RV. But pretty much the whole journey, for the most part, has been in that van. And I, I love it. You know? And actually, the hardest thing was not announcing that I was going to stop hitting the road. But that then enters the, the question of like, well, does that mean I'm getting rid of the van? Getting something with good gas mileage or whatever? Like, I'm not ready for that. That's too sentimental. <laughs> well, that's still what you drive as your primary vehicle. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not a wealthy man. That has 
been my only car for the last decade. So, um, you know, it, people see me around town. That's that's what I'm driving. I had somebody even comment today like, oh, I took a selfie next to your van when I saw it at Fred Meyer. Like, I thought it was so cool. You know, I mean, people are just if they follow me at all, they're used to seeing it around, you know? Yeah. I mean, Joe Biden's going to make you get an electric car. So that's, <laughs> that's for a different date. 90s. OK, like I don't have money for an electric car. Well, you know, if he keeps giving us stimulus checks. No, let's not get into that. So, so uh, uh, let's talk about the artwork. The artwork for the yeah. book was phenomenal. And I mean, you have just looking at your Facebook page, which I'm going to link in the show notes. Yeah. Flip it around and show the back as well. Uh, the audio listeners are going to hate us right now. But the picture that we're talking about is the cover of this. So if you're listening on Spotify, you'll be able to see it. Who does your artwork? Pat Jensen is an artist from Minnesota. And he, this is the beauty of social media. You know, he did a fan art sketch of me and just posted it to Facebook like five, six years ago. I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I started talking to him and come to find out, like I had CDs and t-shirts from artists like with his work on them already and i didn't know that and so ever since then i mean he's done a lot of my flyers and album covers and um he's just been a, a great collaborator so we we have been wood shop like is that the word wood shopping this um workshop yeah yeah workshopping this uh for years now uh and we had different sketches and different ideas and what he ended up doing with the amount of detail in here. And I sent him photos of my real merch tubs and my real amps. And uh, I mean, every detail down to the stickers on the guitar cases and the dents on the side of the van. I mean, it's all actually, if you, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see today I posted a side-by-side -side of the real van and the animation. And, and he's just such a brilliant artist that, you know, it's, it's, it's at once cartoony and also, hyper realistic you know no, it's it's very good i definitely stole uh the image of you for the flyer for the show and it i i just i love it it's great and it's got a lot of details it's pretty i wouldn't take away from his talent he's very he's very talented but you are a caricature of yourself so it's easy to it's easy to draw you because because yeah you're kind of a, a cartoon you know <laughs> so of likenesses and and different artists renderings of me which is is fun and and we we discussed that the other day of like well well, not the other day. It's been a couple months now, but like, so which version of me do we do? Do we do me now or do we do the me that everyone knows? You know, I was like, yeah, we should probably do that one. And like, okay, well, which color? <laughs> I'm like, okay, we'll do the purple. You know, that's that's probably the most recent ones uh, that people have seen with the the spiky colors. So right with your we, hair on, yeah. We went with that. So one of the things I want to talk about that's in the book, uh, without giving any spoilers, at, at the pretty at the end of the, the book, there's a really good display of your writing ability when you talk about your wife. And this is really touching. And this is what I, I look forward to, because I'm not going to lie, I kind of, I skip to the back a little bit. And it really makes me want to read more of the book, to be honest, even though I kind of did it out of order. When you talk about come into this conclusion that this is it, that I need to kind of focus on what's most important in my life. Talk to me about, about that a little bit. Well, I mean, it was a long gradual realization. I think the first red flag, cause I mean, 
she encouraged me to quit my job and, and go out there and do this. And, and, you know, I did it with a, a real work ethic, you know, and there, there was a lot of, of intent behind it that I was going to go out there and make these connections and try to get a booking agent or whatever. Right. So then they could put me to work because right now I'm focusing all my time on trying to get booked and, and trying to get all this stuff. So I was like, I want somebody else to do that shit and just put me out there as much as humanly possible. And so literally the tour where I first went out with my booking agent and I'm in the process of signing, um, we're out there, we're having a great time and actually killing it. And my wife tells me that we had a, an e-web notice on the door. They're going to shut off our power. Oh, and there's a letter in the mail. They're going to shut off our, I don't know, it was the internet or something else. We had like two or three at once. And they're like, oh, they're going to cut us off. And she had insulated me from all that stuff for a very long time because that was kind of what we had agreed. You know, she's like, dude, go put in the work, right? And we thought we'd do that for two or three years, but like, I didn't think it would be 10 years and not, not getting where I wanted to be. And so that was the first red flag of like, all right, I've been working three days a week for a while now, not contributing really at all. I'm going to go back from this tour. I'm going to pick up and do four days a week. I'm going to separate my tours a lot. I'm going to take over more bills at home. And so I took, I think, 10 months off, which was a long time at that point. And uh, it was kind of the first of many steps of, of me just kind of realizing, like, this has taken so much longer than I thought. Like, I, um, I don't know. Like, again, with all those great artists I've got to work with and, and creatively, you know, I have an amazing circle of artists that I, I get to associate with. Right. Um, and, you know, no different with the podcast either, but all those guys have the benefit of, you know, being around before when the industry was popping and people were dropping money on this shit and the, the reach was huge and they had big labels eyes on them. Right. And so they have much, much smaller followings now too but much smaller than they had on a very big level. <laughs> so I right. am coming in late and never had that bigger following to then retain a portion of. It's just, there's just nothing there. And um, it was kind of a, well, you know, this, I'm, I'm working harder than ever and harder than anyone. And everyone tells me that, but it's not getting me the result I want. And it's causing me strains at home. So why would I want to continue to do this? I'm not even enjoying it anymore. Why would I continue to be miserable out here and lose money over and over again? Right. The one benefit is that I, not one, but the chief benefit is that every time I would do it, I would put out an album, tour once or twice, and I sold out of like six or more albums in a row doing that. Some of them uh, even sold out of the reprints. And that was like, it was amazing, but it's also like the wrong message because I'm, I'm saying, well, it's working. They're buying this shit, but just not enough to make right. it. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of back and forth over many years of like, well, well, if I only work harder, then I can do it. So now retiring from touring doesn't mean that you're, you've performed your last show. You know, you'll be doing local stuff. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I imagine so. Um, not any time soon necessarily, but 
there's there's this part in the last chapter where I the last tour is concluded and I get invited to do a random show and I didn't want to do it. And I tell the story of how badly that played out and how um, I would just stop rapping and I would just talk to the audience or I would just like gibberish through verses or something and wait for the chorus. And uh, at one point I was just rolling around on my back on the ground um, just doing a lyric like that. You know, like I just, I did not fucking care. I could not, I just couldn't get into it. It was like, cool, I'm playing another show for 10 people when I didn't even want to come and it's my birthday and I would have rather been out with my wife or something, you know? And so that is literally the last show I have played. And it was in, 2019 and i find it hilarious that that is the last time i ever played i mean my wife even mentioned that the other night she's like oh i remember that you did not give a shit at all um and uh apparently it was memorable but that is the last time i've played and i find that amusing given what we're talking about today sure and you know the time will come like i said i think that 2022 uh i think before that but definitely 2022 i think music is and live performance is going to be booming. And so I think that there's going to be enough excitement to get, can kind of get the juices flowing for you again. You know, I, well, I, I see some big possible. stuff. I, I mentioned to a friend earlier today that uh, it reminds me of a lyric I had on Arcane Amalgam where I said, speaking of my circle of friends who've been kind of the, the, the new veterans of the underground, right? People have been doing it the last 10 years or so. I said, is this the bench for the underground resurgence or the stench of the remains that came from under the furnace. Like, are we beating a dead horse here? Or is there going to be a change of tide? And we're the ones left standing here, you know? And I feel like both things could easily happen because we've become so much more accustomed to all the entertainment, all our, our devices at home, right? That keep us occupied. And that was part of the problem. It's hard to get people to leave the house anymore, right. especially to spend money when they've got five su subscription services at home. Right. And so that was part of it and we'll continue to be part of it, but there's also a hunger to go out and do anything again. So it could go either way. I'm still not sure what is going to happen or how long it will last if it does pick back up. So yeah, we'll I see. could see some big stuff. You know, Summer Jam was a thing back in the day where MCs would do small little short uh, sets. And I could see stuff like that, hopefully like at a big outdoor venue like Cuthbert, you know, yeah. where I would love, I'd love to see local music showcased on the Cuthbert stage, but that's a whole different conversation, you know, yeah. but for something where there's 10 minute sets and I, I just know that what happens is you get back on stage for that 10 minute set, you crush it, you get a response from the fr the fans. And then you're going to be like, Oh my God, I got to do, I got to do something again. You know, it's addictive. Well, yeah. And I'm not, not opposed to, um, you know, doing a, a weekend of shows and, you know, hitting Eugene, Portland, Seattle, or, you know, going down to the Bay for a weekend or something. But what I'm, what I'm done doing is just running myself to the ringer going out there for, weeks at a time uh trying to sell these records and and the hard thing about it is that now it's like okay well if my realm is digital right okay well what do i have i have new songs i have uh you can you know get your stuff covered in blogs i got the podcast to promote 
and music videos. Well, when you drop new content, a certain number of people will like it, engage with it, repost it. But when you're going on tour, well, now you have 20 cities with four acts on the bill. And each one of them is going, hey, this guy's coming. We're playing. Watch this. And so there's a built-in thing where I would only drop new releases and videos when I had a tour coming up because I would see them underperform at other times. And then, well, now all these other people have a selfish interest. They're invested in that show. So they're going to share your shit for you and get the word out. So now I don't have that built in and I'm seeing those numbers plummet again. So it's going to be a renegotiation of like, well, how does this work in only an online version, you know? Right. Well, I recommend anybody listening to this, uh, especially local people that appreciate local music and any, you know, musician would appreciate what's in the book, the stories on the road to, you know, go to take 92.com to buy the book. The book is called how to ruin your life. The daily grind of a DIY tour. Uh, it's really cool. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely plow through it. I was, I was really appreciating what I was reading. So uh, Sammy Warmhands, uh, author, like I said before, hip hop artist, punk rock musician, podcaster. I'm sure that you, uh, you know, have a lot of talents beyond that, that I could have added to the list. Uh, we're going to end this with a single. And like you had said, dropping new music. Uh, this is a big one. You know, uh, this is a, a really well-known artist that you wrote. This is the second song you've done with him. Is that correct? Yeah, this is uh, Redefine the Flow Part 2. Yeah. And I mean, this really showcases your lyrical talent, you know, because there's some serious bars in this. So uh, I definitely recommend anybody listening checks out the YouTube video. Uh, The link is going to be in the show notes for the YouTube video for this track as well. Tell me about how this track came to be. Well, now that you mentioned that, it's just a perfect piggyback of what we were just talking about, though, in that um, I put this video out. And people are like, whoa, this is cool. Or wow, you guys work together? Like, um, this song is from an album that's two and a half years old. <laughs> and so it, it's, it just kind of underscores the point of like, I didn't tour on that album. That was kind of the beginning of this period. So it's like, I'm still putting the stuff out there, but how do I get people on it? Anyway, the history with Casual was uh, I got to open for him uh, years ago. And... I, you know, if, if an artist gives you respect and, you know, you talk a bit off stage and, you know, you're making a connection, then, you know, I'll ask them if they are down to, to feature on a song. And so I hit him up and it was like a year went by and I got this email that was like, yo, I found this in my junk mail folder. <laughs> uh, do you still want to do this? And so I had this crazy, uh, it was like the most punchlines most bars i've ever ever written i think at that time and uh my dude webb and i made this beat together and it was called redefine the flow and it was like his first album shit where it's like faster and there's upright basses and and it's just rapid fire rhyming and he did such an amazing job and was like yo no one asks me to rap like this anymore like no one gives me these tempos that was fun. And so 
when I was making this double album, Figures of Speech, and it was sort of me thinking of like, all right, I'm going to go really big for possibly the last time if I'm going to exist under the radar a little bit, like let's go all in. And so it's like, let's do a sequel. And so I closed out disc one with uh, this, this really cool song. And I actually made the beat, uh, which is not something I often do. And um, I asked him if he would do it and he just jumped on it right away. And, and we we were going to film together last year, this music video and obviously COVID changed that. So I came up with a, an easy concept of how we could film ourselves and I could use editing to make it uh, really fluid and, and entertaining and, and go with the fast pace of the rhymes. So, you know, it's a, a few years in the making, but uh, it's it's a really cool track. I'm happy with it. Yeah, it turned out really good. So Sammy Warmhands, thank you very much for coming and chatting with us. Uh, I feel like this last year, you've literally not left that room. I hope soon you can get the vaccine and that you can go out into to public. I know you've taken COVID very serious. I, I don't want to go back into the world. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's relatable. So Sammy Warmhands, this is a true honor to pick your brain on this. And, and again, uh, all of your art is available on take92.com. Anybody listening needs to check that out. The book, How to Ruin Your Life, uh, The Daily Grind of a DIY Tour is uh, a very long title. It is available <laughs> on take92.com. Uh, shout out to Carnage the Executioner for a beautifully written forward. And there's a lot of great stuff in the book. So everybody listening, check that out. Uh, so we're going to end this with a song. This is Redefine the Flow Part 2 by Sammy Warmhands featuring Casual. Give me the guarantee and then I wanna see your hands up Superstition said it better, unforgettable We stick together like a centiphone Find me sort of my delusions like an organ of confusion I'm a loser but sort of an extraordinary producer But glory is elusive like accordion music I've been holding down the port and had the story to prove it The valedictorian, the academies are going Going home with a participation trophy award and hoping to grow it Getting my props and attention till I got the top spot Not the honorable mention, not a common expression But you're the copy at a rest stop Weaker than a Gibson headstock in the headshot, the records is been brought Flintstone mode, I'm the motherfucking bedrock Showstopper with the flow so prominent Every rose talking though I never wrote the prominence Anonymous, guy box, yeah but I'ma just Got my competition like a hungry hippopotamus Confidence is a bitch to find Got the kicks but no spit to shine I'm the most obviously gifted mind I got more lines than post offices at Christmas time uh. We get our props on the microphone Won't be deterred by any kind of foe We built our spot so you can find your own An obvious problem when a dominant rhymer's vomiting homonyms honor them. Rappers project my image, that's a hologram. You hollow fam, damn, seen through it on the sonogram. My family ain't going for the Grammy, though. It's underground break. He said, Sammy, yo, hand me the microphone whenever you see me. Watch MCs escape. Wait, Harry Houdini. Genuine hip hop options will be rocking the one hit wonders. Let's be boxing, sock them, slap them, cast the ass like I'm from Stockton rapping. Underground captain, general. We could be top 40 if we wanted to. Sing a hook on the chorus of every song we do. But I won't be deterred to get served with words. That's how it occurs. Undeniable pros, maniacal delivery. Try to fit the character, but like Twitter, I find a limiting. The crowd's emitting a sound, but I'm forgetting for which rhyme, a city, or which time. I'm kidding. Beloved, I've become a you're plumbing in like a meteor. I'm with a mahemoglobin, and he won't even know it. Devoting my focus to flow 
I'm dope with the moment The show is open, I'm up a thought My hope is opponent, my condolence in vain I'm invading the mainframe Annihilating, complacent, face evading the flame In imminent danger, stop a forward temperative Throw an MC from the top floor of the Sheridan And bury it straight through The page you signify, I never break through Like the sea was made a single plot The last civil line is better to the needle lock Bottom them up like a bat signal when I hit the sky We get our props on the microphone Won't be deterred by any kind of foe We built our spot so you can find your own Won't be deterred by any kind of foe We built our spot so you can find your own